Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. And on today's episode, we want to continue our discussion on world views. World views. And we define worldviews as the lens by which we look at the world. Our worldviews shape the decisions that we make. It shapes our attitude concerning all issues of life. Uh, Whether we're dealing with God, sex, marriage, temptations, life death, the burial process, bioethics, medicine, being single, religion, friendships, relationships, the church, science, finances, dress code, children, parents, Whatever it is in our lives that requires decisions, those decisions are made due to our worldviews. So prior to accepting Christ, we all have our perspective concerning various issues of life. But once we become saved, it is required of us to test the spirit by the spirit to make sure that they are of God. And and what I mean by that is all of our decision making have to be filtered by the word of God. Because some things that we might have been taught by our own parents, some things that our boyfriends or girlfriends might have imparted to us may not be biblically acceptable in terms of our conversion, in terms of our sanctification, in terms of us growing closer to God. There are some things that we thought were gospel, and I mean that metaphorically. We, some things that we thought uh, God approved of that he may not approve of because uh, we didn't know any better. So our worldviews are important. They are at the core of what motivates us to do certain things. So, again, our worldviews shape our views concerning the issue of God. And there's no bigger issue than theology and our paradigm concerning God. If there is a God and if we do believe there's a God, What is he like? And so those answers to those questions are based on our worldviews. So if a person is an atheist, meaning there's no God, that's what atheist mean, no God. 
then what they're saying is, according to their worldview, we got here by some other means besides creation, besides an intelligent designer. So as an atheist, they have to come up with your own definition of how we all got here. How did how, how are we able to exist if there's no God? And the atheists will share with you what they believe occurred in order for us to get here. So as an atheist, if I believe there's no God, then my paradigm or the way I frame the world also affects creation in terms of this earth. And there's been some atheists over the years who believe that the uh, universe was not created, but uh, it always existed, that it was static, that it's always been eternal. So as an atheist, not only Will my views concerning God be different, but my views concerning how the world got here will be different also. It's all in relation to how we view the world. So unfortunately, even Christians inside the church have some views which are inconsistent with the Gospels, which are inconsistent with the Scriptures. So. My challenge to all the listeners, my challenge to those inside the church as well as outside the church is we need to evaluate our worldviews concerning all issues of life. What are your thoughts concerning uh, subjects such as abortion? What are your thoughts concerning uh, subjects such as uh, infanticide, uh, euthanasia? What what are your thoughts concerning um money management what are your thoughts concerning investments what are your thoughts concerning uh, the homeless issues instead of basing your belief system on the social propaganda or a particular political party our views as Christians ought to be based on the word of God we must be careful not to become entangled into this world affairs and the two uh, major political parties sometimes present their views in a way that seems like uh, they're following the scriptures. But in a lot of ways, uh, some of the things they propose are anti-Christian. So as Christians, we must learn to be metapolitical, meaning that our views should transcend politics, but yet stay true to the scriptures. I'm not uh, a Christian who believes that we have to retreat from the world of politics, but we need to be engaged in our communities. We need to be engaged with those that, that represent us. And if the Holy Spirit puts on our heart for us to run then we have to make sure that we keep our Christian integrity and not conformed and not yield or acquiesce our Christian principles in order to fit in or get votes. So as Christians, we all have responsibilities and we must learn to look at this world, to look at this life from a Christian worldview. So in this episode, I wanted to highlight some specific passages in the Bible 
that reinforces this whole concept of worldviews. And one thing about worldviews, worldviews, as we stated last episode, can change. And because we as humans are under change and serving a God who does not change, it's imperative that the things that we hold on to, the things that we believe, the things that we are willing to die for are the things that God has validated. It doesn't matter what the subjects are. We must always, as Christians, defer to the Bible. We must always consult the scriptures in order to find out if what we believe in is actually endorsed by God himself. Now, if my worldview is based on, let's say, my my upbringing and I'm only relying on the information that I got from my neighborhood, the information that that I got from my teachers, the information that I got from my professors, the information that I got from my uh, camp instructor and uh, not checking in with the word of God, then I'm not uh, always certain if those views are accepted by God or not accepted by God. So it's important that we all check our views concerning various matters of life. And we can't always just endorse something because we've always been doing it in my family for a hundred years. A lot of things that's being done in the name of tradition has nothing to do with God. And so it's important. It's imperative that we are bold enough to stand on God's promises rather than what we've always been taught. There are many things we've been taught that are acceptable once we, we become Christians and we read the word and we study the scriptures and we realize that the principles are supported by God and are supported by his word. But there are numerous things uh, just as well that are not supported and we must be bold enough to abandon those things that we may grow closer to God and be obedient as his children. So let's look at some of these passages that the Bible talks about in terms of the Christian worldview. One of those passages is found in the book of John, uh, St. John, chapter one, verse 46, where Jesus is calling disciples and uh, Nathaniel said, say to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see John one forty six. Now, why would Nathaniel say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He's already prejudging the Messiah. Nathaniel's past experiences or his worldview is causing him to not really see or to stereotype Jesus in a way that's not authentic and, that, uh, and, and not true. Can anything come out of Nazareth? which infers that his past experiences dealing with Na uh, uh, Nazareth was negative. And because he's seen so much negativity come out of Nazareth or, or uh, uh, because his attitude of uh, uh, concerning Nazareth was so uh, negative that he immediately missed what was going on. But according to many scholars, 
Nazareth in the first century was viewed as an insignificant city by many. Uh, they viewed it that way because it was positioned outside of the international trade routes. It's also uh, curiously omitted from Old Testament writings as well as other writings of antiquity. So nowhere in the Old Testament do we find the name uh, Nazareth uh, that the New Testament talks about oftentimes. Not that it didn't exist, it's just that it it, it, it wasn't um, written about in the Old Testament uh, concerning any narrative or any significance. And as well, uh, we don't find any writings concerning Nazareth, even in writings from Josephus uh, nor the Apocrypha. So it was uh, omitted from many writings. And because of its location, as we said before, it made it a, a, a village or a, a valley, a city that wasn't like the bigger cities where they had trade routes going in and out. So a lot of people deemed it as insignificant. So Philip uh, might have had the same attitude that this is a back country and uh, nothing good can come out of there. And sometimes we as Christians have the same uh, view, worldview as, as Nathaniel. Uh, we stereotype people. We 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 condemn certain people uh, because of where they grew up, uh, because of their economic level, because of their degrees, because of who they know. We disenfranchise them, and sometimes we don't do it intentionally, but because of our past biases, we stereotype and we omit some people from our own circles uh, which we shouldn't do as Christians again we need to look at the people that we uh, are inclined to the people that we bring in our own circles and we need to ask ourselves are we open enough or are we loving enough to include other people in this circle this intimate circle that we have even if they don't look like us, even if they came from a place where I perhaps you didn't have a, a very good view of that particular city. You didn't have a good view of that particular country. But are you open enough? Are, are, are you uh, Bible uh, Bible enough to look at people for who they are? not from where they came from. And that's how God deals with us. We all came from different places, but God looked at us for who we could be and who we are now. And he works with us that we may get to where we ought to be. So Nathaniel had a stereotypical view of Jesus that was not accurate. Yes, there is a Messiah who grew up in Nazareth, uh, who is also the son of God. So uh, immediately Nathaniel missed it, but ultimately he got it. Then the second uh, passage I want to deal with is dealing with First uh, Thessalonians chapter one. And there is a passage that highlights the Christians in Thessalonica. It says, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. And this is Paul talking not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. 
so that we have no we have no uh, need to say anything for they themselves, which meaning uh, the people in Asia and Ikea, for they themselves report about what kind of a reception we had with you and how you Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. First Thessalonians chapter one, verses eight through nine. Now Thessalonica was a commercial military center of the Macedonian uh, province. In terms of religion, they adopted the Greek religious worldview of polytheism. So as a result, the Thessalonians worship the same gods as the Greeks. So they worship uh, Zeus, they worship uh, Pythian, they worship Apollos, they worship Nike, they worship Dionysius. So they worship all of these uh, familiar Greek gods. And so when before Paul, uh, Timothy and Sylvanus got there, these are the various gods that they worship. So it means a lot. So their worldview was we have these multiple gods that we can appeal to based on what we're dealing with and what our needs are. So if I have a request, I can pray to um, a particular God in order to get my request or to get my my desires answered. So when Paul steps on the scene and they and Paul, Timothy and Sylvanus start preaching the gospel these Thessalonians have to make a decision. Their worldview has always been that we can uh, worship multiple gods. But here Paul, Savannah, and Timothy come and say, no, there is a real God. And he doesn't want you to serve gods made with hands. He doesn't want you to serve these Greek gods. He wants you to serve him. He wants you to accept his son, Jesus Christ. The God that we serve, he's the true and living God. He is the God who said that he's jealous and he doesn't want to share your affections. He doesn't want to share, uh, share his affections with any other demigods, any other false gods. So the Thessalonians had to shift their paradigm and accept the real and authentic God and abandon the Greek gods that they've always worshipped. And for us, we can learn from it. There are things in our lives that are inconsistent with the will of God. And are we willing to abandon those core beliefs, even if it's been in our family for years, even if it's been taught to us for years, even if the people that we love embrace this this concept, uh, embrace this tradition, embrace this teaching, which is contrary to the teachings of God. Are we willing to be bold enough to say I'm willing to listen to God and let go of these things? Or does acceptance mean more than the uh, message of the gospel? And it's not easy. I, I'm not going to uh, sit here and say it's easy, but we are growing. We're growing in grace and and we have to. Uh, want the same things that God wants and our, our, our appetite sometimes needs to change and this appetite could be music it could be the things that we read it could be the things that we're looking at in terms of movies uh, in terms of uh, th uh, entertainment it varies 
So our worldview concerning the issues of life need to shift from secular to sacred. Our views concerning everything that this life has to offer needs to be filtered by the word of God. I can't say that enough. Then the next verse uh, deals with the story of the Samaritan woman. And if we don't finish, we'll continue uh, on the next episode. But the Samaritan woman narrative captures deeply what worldview is all about. It says in John chapter four, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. That's John's commentary. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And that's John's commentary. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who say to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water spring up to eternal life. So we see in this narrative that Jesus is talking about his kingdom agenda. But the Samaritan woman has a certain worldview. Her worldview is based on the schism that the Samaritans have with the Jews is based on her religious worldview and the teachings that she's received over the years. And we can tell from this narrative that they're not on the same page. So the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, uh, thou have no husband, for you had had five husbands. And so the narrative goes on, and eventually the Samaritan woman accepts uh, who Jesus is, but she leaves excited, and she leaves running back to her town saying, come see a man. Come see a man who was told me everything that I needed to know. Jesus was sufficient for her. Her worldview was dealing with race while Jesus talked about grace. She was talking about discrimination while Jesus was talking about salvation. So our worldview sometimes can hinder us if we're not careful. So I pray that you got something out of this episode. And next week, we'll talk more about the Christian worldview. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.